All right, Michelle, I have a little creativity trivia for you. What do the composer Johann Sebastian Bach, the painter Vincent van Gogh, and the poet Emily Dickinson all have in common? I don't know. Tell me. Well, in today's episode, we'll find out. And we'll see what those answers have to teach us about our own creativity. Let's get started. Are you creative but feel stuck and tired of not having enough time and money to create? Do you dream of your content making a significant impact on those around you? At the end of the day, are you frustrated that you have no energy left to be creative? You are not alone. Welcome to the Beauty Hunters Podcast, where we explore life's beautiful moments to awaken your creative heart. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Michelle Rose, fellow creative souls who have broken out of the daily grind and are living full-time in our creative pursuits. We understand the struggle and are here to guide you with inspiring stories and strategies on the path to vibrant creativity. So if you're ready to take your creativity to the next level and release it into the world, then grab your coffee, tune in, and let's create a more beautiful world together. Thank you all for joining us on another episode of the Beauty Hunters podcast. I'm Jonathan, and I'm here with the always beautiful Michelle. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanksgiving was wonderful, and I'm in the middle of a gratitude hangover as I sit with all the wonderful things that have happened in the last 12 months. We had two weddings, and we did our New England trip. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yep. Yep. And of several other trips. And then we now have a grandbaby coming soon. So we'll have that gender reveal at the end of this episode for all of you listening. Absolutely. Yeah. A gratitude hangover is a funny way of looking at it because usually it's like this turkey hangover after Thanksgiving. But a gratitude hangover is a, a nice change of pace. So I hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving filled with Lots of food, warmth, and good company, good drinks, and good times. But now it's time to get back to the business of making the world a more beautiful place. Yeah, so I'm curious, Jonathan. How long are you going to leave me and all of our listeners hanging on, waiting for that answer to your little trivia teaser? Yes, well, the trait that is common between all of those notable creatives is their posthumous recognition. None of them were recognized for their creative genius during their lifetime. That's interesting. So why do you bring that up now? Well, it's just that time of year where we tend to slow down and the year is drawing to a close and a new year is right around the corner. And it's often a time of reflection and a desire that many creatives in our community have expressed that resonates deeply with me is that my work matters and that my work makes an impact on the lives of those around me. So that self-reflection often leads me to evaluate the importance of what I'm doing. And if I'm honest, It's terrifying to think that my creativity may not make a difference. I take courage with company the likes of Emily Dickinson, who created an astounding body of work that was largely in obscurity. Okay, so Jonathan, you got me curious when you started talking about Emily Dickinson this week. And so I, of course, did what I love to do in my creative space, and I did some research. Of course. (laughs) So anyway, Emily Dickinson lived in the 19th century, where she dealt with that tension and that struggle of the constraints of societal expectations for women. Mm -hmm. So most of her writings actually took place in the sanctuary of her bedroom in that secret place where she was all by herself, just writing for herself. And it turns out only a handful of her poems were published during her lifetime, but all done anonymously. 
So all of her writing was done for herself. And they later found in her bedroom over 1,800 poems that were never published. And I did the math because, of course, I love my numbers. Of course. And if she had written one of those poems, one a day, that would have taken her over five years to write. Of course, I'm sure some poems took a little more than a day or two, but we're just saying, like, the math on that is she wrote a lot of creative work in her lifetime. Yeah, Emily was famously reclusive, especially the older she got in the latter parts of her life. And I can really relate to those moments of solitude where the only audience is myself. Um, It's in those places where you find the courage to experiment, to dig deep into the recesses of your creativity. And it's in those private moments where our creativity really has to be enough for yourself first. Yeah, so it was actually that conversation back and forth with herself that she was doing this. It wasn't actually meant for the eyes of the world, at least not at first. And it was a way to explore those landscapes of her thoughts and her feelings. Yeah, as a writer, I can absolutely relate with that, where just in the privacy of your journal or your your writing, your pen really becomes your confidant. And in those private moments, you can explore those themes of nature and death and human experience with a real courageous authenticity that I find inspiring. You know that worn out expression, dance like nobody's looking? <laughs> well, there's there's actually some wisdom there. Emily wrote like nobody was looking. She wrote for herself first. She nurtured her own creativity for its own sake, regardless of the social pressure or the family pressures or responsibilities of life. Uh, It reminds me of a time when I was deep in my own creative space, in my metalworking side, not my poetry, but I was working on, on making a drum. And I had this particular one that was not going the direction that I had planned for it to go. There was this imperfection. There was this flaw in the material that wasn't jiving with where I was going artistically. So I had to pause and I reevaluated. And I said to myself, well, if I just make the finish busy, no one will see the imperfection. And then the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and he stopped me and he said, hey, say that last sentence again, just a little bit slower. If I make the finish busy, no one will see the imperfection. And man, all of a sudden it was like, I was convicted and I knew instantly that this piece of art wasn't for anybody but for myself first. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was working out my own struggle with busyness and imperfection in this piece. And it sparked this series of very authentic and raw poems about my own struggle with perfectionism, with busyness. And it was in the privacy of that moment that I learned that My work has to be for me first. Like I'm working out my own stuff in this piece. And it really is in those moments where you have to decide that you're going to take courage and just express authentically, no matter how it looks or feels, you're just going to explore that creative space. And that's what it means for as a creative, your work has to be enough for you first. You got to let it speak to you before it can speak to anybody else. Yeah, I actually remember that drum that you're talking about. And it was cool being able to be a fly on the wall as you experienced all of that in your life. It actually made a shift in my mindset towards the busyness that I was living out in my life as well to kind of evaluate, why am I being so busy? Am I trying to hide from something? You know, so anyway, how fun it might have been to have been a fly on the wall in Emily's poetic journey. You know, I couldn't help but prepare for this episode and read some of Emily's 
poetry, some of her work. And there was one that stood out to me, just one little poem, and it's titled, I'm Nobody, Who Are You? And it just seemed relevant to this episode, so I'm going to read it. Um, It's short and sweet. I'm nobody, who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell they'd advertise, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public like a frog. To tell one's name the livelong June to an admiring bog. You know, I wonder if Emily was some of Dr. Seuss's muse and <laughs> Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> this poem struck me as being far ahead of its time. The idea of being a nobody in a world obsessed with being a somebody. It has this universal appeal, and especially today living in the information age with social media and how ubiquitous our reach can be. I mean, we can put a tweet out and the whole world can read it. And the whole world just seems obsessed with celebrity and going viral now more than ever. And it leads me to an interesting point here. Sometimes it's embracing our creative anonymity that we find the most authentic expressions. Like when I was just in that private time working out my own stuff on this piece that started speaking to me, and when my poetry was just for me and for nobody else in that moment. And it was both liberating and inspiring to just work my own stuff out for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what if, like Emily suggests, that there's actually a strength in being a nobody? in a world obsessed with that visibility? And what if the priority for your creativity was just being authentic over actually being seen? Yeah, I think the most meaningful impact doesn't come from that constant hustle just to be seen, but from our authenticity, from creating work that resonates deeply with who we are. When we let our creative spark speak from that genuine heart, that's where the real impact begins because it impacts us first. And then we get to release that out into the world as an authentic expression of what we've learned in our own creative process. Yeah, and truly, how many people who have never seen that drum or that poem, but actually experienced that part and that shift in you and still were inspired and changed? So you still made the impact. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it impacted me first. Like, And I've, I've had the blessing of sharing some of that work. And it, I've watched people literally just read the poem and start crying because it impacts them. Well, I I cried over that poem first, right? It impacted me first. Yeah. And you know, that work, when it's infused with that genuine passion, it can't help but become magnetic for people. Yeah. So I think it's to the point where I want to just distill this down to like a main takeaway. We really want everything we bring in in this podcast to be practical for your lives, for your own creative journeys. And I think that's the one thing I've learned most in preparing for this episode and sharing these stories is that when we focus on infusing courageous authenticity into our work, embracing the journey for its own unique joys and its own unique perspectives, and our work becomes enough for us first, that brave authenticity becomes our superpower when it comes to our creativity. If we could just encourage all of you listeners out there, we'd love for you to take a moment just to sit down with your current creative project, whatever you've been ruminating in your mind, and ask yourself, am I creating from the heart and am I infusing my authenticity into every stroke of the brush or every word on the page, every note in the melody, just whatever your medium is? We'd also love to offer you guys a downloadable PDF of that poem that Jonathan was talking about, that busyness that he worked through. Yes, if you just drop us an email 
we'd be happy to send you a copy of that poem. You can email us at thebeautyhunterspodcast at gmail.com and just say, I want the busyness poem. And we'll, I'll send you a copy of that. And then that can be just your little bonus for the week. You can just read that poem and ask yourself, what am I using busyness to hide in my own life? What, here's, and here's the question, the kind of the proposition of that poem that I'm, I'm going to tease you with. The proposition is this. If I get to be busy, what don't I get to be in my life? And a lot of times the answer to that is just the thing we're avoiding or the thing we're trying to hide from. But if we were to just work that out authentically in our work, we may find a breakthrough that is really impactful, not just for yourself, but for other people who will be experiencing your creativity down the road. That is so good. And we can't wait to witness that incredible impact it has on your creative journey. Okay, so now we are at the end. We are at the end. And we get to give you... We get to talk about gender reveal. The gender reveal. (laughs) So we did our poll, and the overwhelming response was that we should wear blue to the party. In fact, no one responded pink. (laughs) Which (laughs) is rooting for that boy. That's right. Well, come to find out, you guys were absolutely right. It was a boy. (laughs) (laughs) So we are just super stoked. I mean, we wore blue. Yes. And it was the right color. That's right. So the wisdom of the hive saved us on this one. So we're just super grateful and cannot wait to get started into preparing for this baby. I get to get into my quilting projects. You'll probably be making some kind of wood toys. Yeah, well, being the father of two daughters, I never had a son to share all my fatherly wisdom to. So now I get to work that all out on my grandson. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining us on the Beauty Hunters podcast. We hope this episode has inspired you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. If you want to support the show, the best way is to leave us a review on iTunes. You can connect with us on socials at the Beauty Hunters podcast. Until our next encounter, always remember that your creativity will make the world a more beautiful place.